Welcome to my podcast, Follow Your Bliss, with me, Nicola Fisher. I'll be talking to people who inspire me and asking them about the journeys they've taken navigating change and how this has led them to find fulfilment and purpose. If you're on a quest to create a meaningful life for yourself, I hope these conversations inspire you too. My guest on the podcast this week is Jane Dyer. Jane works with business owners and individuals, and she helps them bridge the gap between health and employment. Jane has spina bifida, which is a lifelong disability, so she really understands firsthand the challenges that people face, especially in employment when they live with health issues. We talk about Jane's approach to life and her can-do attitude, and how she inspires the people that work with her to keep achieving their own potential. We also talk about how Jane came to set up her business and what she learnt along the way as a business owner. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Hi Jane, it's really lovely to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Now, you've got a business called Tudor Rose, and I'd like you just to tell us a bit more about that. But also, I'm really interested to know what is your vision for Tudor Rose? Tudor Rose began three and a half years ago, I would say. And at that time, I'd um, left my previous employer for 20 years from health issues took the opportunity to leave when they were reducing the staff anyway and then I retrained to be a teaching assistant Mm -hmm. and that market was quite saturated so it's hard to get work that I wanted in that field and my partner um, said why don't you start a business what have you got to lose so then Tudor Rose emerged but prior to that I went on a one of these free start your own business type courses, you know, one day for a week for five weeks sort of thing, just to sort of decide what I wanted to do as a business. And I had a meeting with a business coach who helped me decide on two ways that I was thinking of going. And I decided on coaching for people with health and disability issues that were business owners or employees and they were struggling because they'd um, acquired a health issue or disability or it had got worse. And I have my a disability myself, but I've had a lifelong disability. So to me, it isn't a disability. It only is to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Because I haven't had to find new ways to do anything because I've always done them that way, same as anybody else. But what I have got is empathy on people who are struggling to find different ways to do things. Because I suppose subconsciously I do things a different way, but that's been normal for me and learned from an early age. My background is in education and training, and I've always, without thinking it, even from leaving school, been in support roles, helping people less fortunate than myself to reach their potential. Like I've done teaching support for 
people with learning difficulties. I did that straight from school on a voluntary basis. And I've helped in um, youth clubs for people with learning difficulties. And I've adopted two children, both at the age of seven. So they have got a few years of their difficulties. And one of my children is autistic. I've just sort of fallen into these roles. So it seemed a natural progression, really. This is what I do with Tudor Rose. You talked about, well, first of all, it might be worth just asking you about your disability so that people understand um, a bit a bit more about your own life. Yeah, that's fine. No, I was born with spina bifida, which um, is um, partial paralysis from the waist down. So I have mo- mobility difficulties. I'm an occasional wheelchair user. That depends on how far we're going. Um, and that, for me, took many years to to do because I didn't use a wheelchair until I got married and my husband liked walking a long way. So I learned, I mean, I didn't want to use a wheelchair, so I can appreciate why others are reluctant, especially if they've acquired a disability. But I realised it enabled me to do more by doing less. Yeah. So I was determined to walk. I could really do less because I couldn't go to where my husband wanted to go because I couldn't walk that far. It's like a tool rather than I'm in a wheelchair. I don't see it like that. It's like a parent has a pram for their toddlers and their baby and workmen have tools for their job. So that's how I see it, really. Or you have a car to get from A to B. I suppose it's a lesson for life, really, isn't it? It is, and it, it was one that took me a while to get there because I've always been brought up to be independent, to do everything mainstream, the same as everybody else. So using a wheelchair and being different, I was never brought up like that. So so it was quite a hard thing to think to do at the start, but I miss, would have missed out on a lot more without using a wheelchair. You mentioned as well about finding different ways of doing things because of your own experiences and helping others find different ways of doing things. Yeah, it's like, because I have mobility difficulties, I can't do steps unless they have a handrail. If I'm on my own when I'm out and about, which I am, you know, I have to, I suppose I subconsciously, do it but I have to think all right well I can't get up that way how do I get in another way learning to ask other people for help or finding different ways to do things like for example I couldn't do a lot of things like gardening because they're quite physical but I like having a garden so how do I get around that so so I suppose I've always just automatically thought of a different way to do something I wouldn't, in my coaching, give somebody this, the alternative way to do something because that wouldn't be sustainable. I'd, I'd ha- I help them think of the way, a different way they can do things for themselves. And if they thought of the new way, and we, we obviously discuss ways, but ultimately they come up with a new way of doing things from the dis- coaching discussions that we have. Helps them because they can. I have a physical disability that you can see. So although I don't think I've got too many hurdles in life, 
they think, oh, Jane must have overcome things, so she knows what she's talking about. Which I probably have overcome more than I appreciate myself, but I just have never thought of it that way. I'm going to ask you maybe a bit of a strange question. Um, I don't know if you know my husband is blind. Um, yeah, I do, yeah. He went, yeah, he went blind in 2008. And he often says that being a blind man is who he's meant to be. <laughs> do you think that being a disabled woman is who you're meant to be? I've not, not been asked that question before. <laughs> well, I, th I think everybody's meant to be who they are, really. Not me, especially different to anyone else. But I think what you are, I think at some point in your life, you do move into what you're meant to do. It probably is that I'm here to inspire and support other people so that's what I now do I just think it's quite interesting sort of how we have different milestones that lead us to certain places and obviously the work that you're doing is really important and I suppose it's informed by your own experiences as well yes in, in a way it is because as well as doing one-to-one -one coaching with individuals because I'm trying to help them not give up on what they were doing before or what they think they can't do. Um, I'm also trying to work with employers on the other side to help them understand that there needs to be only minor changes they need to make to make the workplace accessible and to make their policies on sickness absence work for people that have health issues or disabilities so they can make the most of their talents so it's a win-win for both sides really and that's probably that has come from my own experience because I have faced discrimination as I've been growing up but I've not really thought about it too much because that's with my upbringing I've just thought well that's happened on to the next you know <laughs> So I've taken in my stride. But when you look back, there have been a lot of job opportunities that haven't been there because I've got a disability. Well, not because I've got a disability, because of people's views of me having a disability. And I remember when I was first leaving home, there was a lot, you know, you go, you leave home for the first time and you're looking for flats. I lost, I didn't get a lot of those because as soon as you get to the door and they see I was disabled, they, they told me that the places were full <laughs> so you know what's going on really but society is quite clever at not being obvious that that is what's going on so so how has that affected you in your life oh well I suppose at, at the at the time it makes me cross but I'm just trying to in my small way help other people and educate other people so that happens less because I think it's a big it's a bigger society problem that not just me needs to do something about yeah. and I, can't, I can't change society on my own but I'm more than thinking about and focusing on what you can't do that's why I was brought up to think about how can you do things so not let things be a barrier because I could look at it that oh I didn't get that job because I have a disability but then lots of other people go for a job and they don't get it but 
you carry on till you do get the job. I may have just had to try a bit harder, maybe. That's not to say other people aren't trying hard because I'm not in their shoes. So I wanted to ask you what pivotal moments in your life have been your catalyst. I'm really interested in how people encounter pivotal moments that are catalysts for different new beginnings that they might have. If you go right back through your life, there are a few new beginnings like um, leaving home and you know moving around the country because I I was originally from Lancashire, but I've lived in lots of places because <laughs> the family have moved about. When I went to university, then went to work, then I was married, and I, but I think the the one thing that's happened, or well, the two things, we couldn't have our own children, so we adopted children, so that was a big thing. Sadly, um, I got divorced because my ex-partner left, so I think that was the biggest thing to change because if I hadn't have got if that hadn't have happened I wouldn't have had my own business because I would still have been probably in my nine to five job because I was with someone that my partner now is a lot more outgoing and just go for things so he gave me the confidence to have my own business but my ex-husband was more similar to me in that way so I wouldn't have had that confidence to have my own business meeting my partner has changed me and to have more confidence and to and having my own businesses increased my confidence a lot as well because I could never imagine having a business before and doing podcasts and doing training courses and talking to groups of people do you enjoy doing it yeah I do I love doing it yeah and I think my career has been sim well it's not been directly with individuals it's always been around the policies in the education and assist and employment so it's, it's it has a crossover but I think like like lots of people you get your job, you get married, you get your family, you get your mortgage, and there you stay because you've got your mortgage. <laughs> yeah. You don't think to take that jump to do something else. So I think that's what happens to lots of people because until I got sick and had to leave work, you think, oh, I can't go part-time because I can't afford to. But when you do it, it's surprising how little – lifestyle change well there was very little lifestyle change that we had when I gave up work it's having that courage to take that leap and it is risk yeah because I'm quite a risk averse person um but my partner's quite the opposite so he said what's the worst that you can happen you just lose the money you've put into the business (laughs) and I suppose he's right in some respects but I am in a fortunate position that I can afford to lose the money I've put into it. <laughs> Not everybody is in that position. What advice do you give to people who are going through or facing their own challenges? Uh, the advice I give my one-to-one clients is not to see it as a challenge and a, and a problem and a difficulty. It's just this is 
how you are now and we look at what do you want things to be like so how can we get that then it's not to because i think a lot of people who acquire illnesses or disabilities think well i can't possibly have my business anymore and they lose the business or they lose the job you know because they're rightly so they are consumed with dealing with a new illness or disability but i can help them think well no you don't have to give up that you're still the same person you've still got the same skills you can still do what you were doing before or just a variation of that if it's a more physical thing and you can't do that anymore but you can do things in a different way it's similar to me starting to use a wheelchair if i want to do this i mean i could say well i can't possibly do that because i can't walk that far but if i have the wheelchair yes i can so if you change the way you do the work you do yes you can carry on like somebody visually impaired for example if they have none of the technology that's available yes it will be very difficult and they will struggle but if they have the help of a pa and they utilize all the technology that's around they can carry on and be the employee and the business person they were before that is a mindset a lot of mindset change for people if they've acquired those things it's not just as simple as well you can do it this way so it just take a long time with some clients because they have to they have to go along this road of accepting the new them and then accepting a different way of doing the same things as they wanted to do that they were doing before do you see any consistencies in people's journeys as they adjust yeah you can see um, a growth in confidence and acceptance of their situation and you can see that they have got a more positive outlook because they can see that there are change small changes often is all that's required i can help them access a lot of things i mean i'm not an expert in all things like the technology for visually impaired for example but i know it's available yeah and i know how you can get it and you can get funding to get it so whereas people who who don't know that they think well it's going to cost me thousands of pounds so i can't possibly do it and that isn't the case so i can educate them and signpost them to where they can get the support they do need and i think when they see me it's a bit it, this was never a conscious thing i did but at, they look at me and they say well if i can do it they can do it that makes a difference chris and i say that you know people see him doing what he does as a wood turner mm. and we get a lot of that well if you can do it i can do mm. whatever i want to do yeah. and, and i think the example of seeing somebody do something that and again it's coming back to that mindset people think mm. it's not possible yeah um but yeah being that role model for people is a huge thing yeah there wasn't anything i set out to be <laughs> but i am i realize that i am and i accept that i am to a lot of clients a lot of my clients do say how good it is talking to me as opposed to someone else because i've been there and done it i think that counts for a lot though i think to 
have traveled that sort of journey that people can they can find some sort of resonance and it relates to what they're going through I think that's a really important factor yeah I think so you know because I have had medical issues I, I finished my nine to five job a lot to do with health issues so I have got that experience and that is similar to a lot of ex the experience a lot of my clients are currently going through but I left my employment out of choice you know a lot of people feel like they're being pushed out of their employment I can appreciate how they feel but I can help them think about what they want to do for themselves not what other people want to do for them or to have happened to them they want to stay you know getting the extra help or educating their employer that they can have just a few tweaks here and there or if they want to leave then to take that leap and do that and do something else that they've always dreamed of doing you mentioned earlier about working with employers and talking to them about uh, challenges with accessibility what sort of take up do you get with that are people are the employers really open to it or do some of them need a bit of coaxing along the way well it's just a area of work i'm just stepping into at the moment and i'm finding that they do need a bit of coaching in to that direction because it's a bit like health and safety they don't think they need it until some disaster happens so i'm trying to bridge that gap before and say if you and educate them around having the right well-being policies in place and accessibility and to think about all of those things when they're recruiting so that they can retain their staff rather than think well that person's always off sick so we need to let them go and then they've lost their talent and it's costing them more for retraining and recruitment which is all unnecessary really so it's just helping them see that if they're more flexible and more disability and health aware, then they can employ anybody that's valuable to their company. But at the moment, I'm at, just at the start of doing workshops and for employers along those lines. I'm working in partnership and collaboration with other people like HR people and health and safety and facilities managers and health and well-being companies that are already working with organisations because we're all trying to do the same thing, really. The job that I had before I started doing this, part of the job that I did was about workforce development and it was around mm -hmm. health and well-being. So, you know, these were themes that we used to talk to businesses about as well and it was about bringing together all the different organizations and um, this was in Manchester so there were quite a lot yeah. of different organizations that we connected up but yeah they all fed into each other it was um, it's amazing really the the breadth of what was available for people well what have you learned about yourself through <laughs> the business that I've got a lot to offer I have a lot, a lot of skills 
you start off in business being superwoman, thinking you can do it all, and you can't. <laughs> there are not enough hours in the day. Because when you start your own business, I think you're passionate about whatever you've started your business about. But there's a lot more to it, all the business side of things, the admin, the accounts, marketing, the list goes on. So quite soon, it's a good idea for you to think, can you access all these other support services that are around and other people that are passionate about something that you're not to do it for you? And which I was lucky to do because right at the start of my business, through friends, I joined business networking groups. And in those groups were people that were passionate about website design or accounts or whatever, all sorts of things. So you can access their expertise, which frees you up with the time to do what you want to do in your business. It's very hard juggling all the different elements that you've got to do to grow a business. It is, yeah, and it and it doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because you have to get to a point, you know, you have to grow your business enough with the help of others, so you have to invest at the start and you have to grow your business enough before you can outsource and delegate more things. So it's quite a juggling act for, at the first few years. <laughs> Is there anything you would do differently in hindsight? In my business? Yeah. No, I wouldn't say there was a lot at this point because I think I've been really focused on my vision right from the start. I think that helps. If you're all over the place and you don't know where you're heading, I think that can be difficult. But because I'm so passionate about bridging this gap between health and work, so individuals can reach their potential without and remove a lot of the barriers, then all my efforts are focused in that direction. So however, however far I get down the path, I've made more impact than I had before I started. Were you clear from the outset that was what you wanted to do? Yeah. 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 And I think having the business uh, um, consultant meeting that I had only an hour, but just chatting, you know, like we're chatting and somebody who doesn't know you at all, it helps to have someone else there as a sounding board. And then you can sort of home your vision. And if it's something you're really passionate about, I think you will stay on the lines that you were thinking of originally. I think you're, you're definitely right. I know from what I used to do that having that outside independent oh. input made a big difference to the business that we worked with. I suppose it's that objective view as well. As a business owner, you're emotionally invested in your business, but That's the outsider right. sees it in a different way. I suppose that's similar for you in a way. It's I suppose you're mentoring people, aren't you? And you're that outside objective voice. That's right, yeah. I think when I see people, oh, they come to me and for quite a while they're talking to me about all their woes and how bad it is and how difficult it is. 
so I am the outside person so I help them focus on where they want to be this is how things how you feel things are now how do you want them to be and then we work at how do you get there yeah and even now in business it's good all the time to continue to talk to other people you're focused on your vision so you're not as objective as somebody else from outside maybe and they may think about things that you haven't thought of which are really good ideas and you might be doing something that they've had experience of already and it's not the way to be going I think it's very difficult to grow a business entirely on your own I think so yeah definitely I'm lucky that I've built a team around me this is one what I feel is one advantage of having your own business now I don't have an office base because I see my all my clients in places that they choose cafes more public places so I haven't got rental costs of any offices but I've built a team of go-to experts around me you know like the web designer the accountant virtual assistant and all people like that so you need to build a team around you because no one can do it all on their own I think that's a really good way of doing it. It's like having a, your own virtual team in a way. It is, yeah, it is. But I think yeah, you have to get to know the people that you choose. Don't just look yeah. down a list, a directory, and, oh, there's there's a web designer, we'll have them. You know? <laughs> you know, build relationships with them and get to know if they're the right fit for you. The, the networking has been really important for you then. Yeah, networking's been really important um, in two ways. Um, one, is, well, three ways. With your networking with other business owners, you don't feel that you're alone. There are lots of people out there running a business on their own. Also, you meet lots of different contacts, so you can build your team around you, and you can get lots of learning and development because you can learn off other people and depending on the type of um, networking it is you can often get training and development through those networks for me it's a good way to spread the word about what I do because not a lot of people it's quite niche what I'm doing the personal one-to-one support and the lived experience support and guidance that employers can get so if I mix in with people, then word of mouth, more people will know that this service is here. In a room of people, there can be lots of people that have invisible health issues and disabilities that are struggling, but you wouldn't know. Many people don't like to ask for support, and especially those if you can't see their illness or dis- their health issue or disability, they'll struggle on. Some of my clients are business owners and to meet them, you wouldn't think they had any health issues, but for them to do a day's work, they're in, probably in bed for the next two days. That's behind the scenes that people don't see. So if I'm mixing with more business people, they could be future clients as well. So when you started out, how did you grow your business? I mean, it was word of mouth to start with. 
and, and it still is really i mean i do marketing but the more contacts you get when you get the contacts through your marketing efforts then the more people know about you then they come back to you and say oh we know someone who does this you might want to talk to them and that's how i get most a lot of my one-to-one -one clients and marketing and um approaching businesses and doing workshops for businesses is how i'll get those as clients in the future well probably i'll get one-to-one -one clients through them as well because that's part of the service the package that i offer to them because there will be they will ha probably have employees that have health issues that they're struggling with to balance the health and work so then my coaching can come in and help them balance that you've also got something called hug in a box yeah a hug in a box well that's a feel good box of goodies because a lot of people that got health and disability issues they've got stress and anxiety around those health issues it turns in it's the mental health issue and the stress and the anxiety that's more the barrier than their physical disability or health issue and if they're struggling with a new diagnosis or feeling that it's all an effort and it's taking too much of their energy to work and things like that it's just a pick-me-up a nice thing to receive i just thought that was a lovely idea well, thank you. <laughs> so, um, you adopted two children. Yeah, I did. What yeah. was that experience like? Quite long <laughs> and a very personal experience, but rightly so. There's a, you know, a lot of questions about how you would cope together with children that aren't your that have had a different background. So it was quite, it wasn't too bad really, but it, you know, because it was quite a few years ago now, but it, and I think it would have probably only been about nine months. So that's the same as if you'd had your own children. It's that long. <laughs> so the upside is that you don't get all that training if you have your own children, do you? <laughs> and we miss the sleepless nights and all that because both our children, we had them separately but they both came to us age seven. So so we missed all the tantrums at two and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> but we had lots of challenges because coming from backgrounds that a lot of adopted children and children in care come from, they come with their own little baggage. If we just talk, talk about um, some of the work that you do with your clients... I'm just interested to know how it makes you feel working with your clients and that sense of fulfillment that you get from perhaps highlighting or illuminating something for somebody else. How does that feel for you? Yeah, I do get a lot of satisfaction personally from seeing clients come to me and they're at the verge of leaving their job or giving up their business and then the time spent coaching them their confidence grows and they have a more positive outlook on the situation and they begin to see well they begin to accept more their limitations but they also 
begin to accept the solutions that are available that they didn't know were available for many of them. And just like we were talking about having your own business, just a sounding board, just chatting to other people, how that gives them, they can see a light, the light bulb comes on. They can see the light and how they can overcome what they first thought couldn't be overcome. And for some, it takes a long time, but the journey is very rewarding still. And do you have any plans for what you want to do next? What do I, well, I, I'm still on this journey, really, with the business. But in an ideal world, if my, my business would be grown and I'd be training more people to do what I do in the way I do it across the country, that's what I'd like to see. Yeah. Because I think there's a, there's a lot of initiatives out there say this is the way to help people this is the way it should be done but often they're not done by people that have been in that situation yeah I think it's it's that shared experience that makes the difference and um, I think it's difficult for all of us unless we've had that experience you can only imagine what somebody goes through you know even with Chris and you know he's my husband there are certain things that he'll say sometimes and I'll think, wow, I'd never thought of that or that hadn't occurred to me. And there's a lot to be said for having had that shared experience. You say that, but a lot, I haven't got the same shared, I haven't got the same experience of any of my clients because most of my clients have invisible health issues that have led to stress and anxiety so I haven't had I haven't experienced any of those things myself but what I have experienced is challenges along the way to get to where I am and I know the support I've had that's got me there so that I can share with people because I was brought up not to see myself as different and if you want to do this or you want to go there, do it and get there is how, how it was. <laughs> so I, so that's how I did find ways to just do what I wanted and mm. be what I wanted. But if others haven't been that fortunate to have that upbringing, when there is a big change in their life, then it is more challenging for them to make mm. the changes to do what they want. So yeah. that I can support them with, although I haven't got the same barriers that they have. Do you think your upbringing has made a big difference? I know I've read you lived originally in Blackpool. <laughs> yeah, I've lived in Black, lived in lots of places. <laughs> yeah, lived in Blackpool. Yeah, my upbringing did because my my mum was a single parent, and she did bring me up to be very independent. If you imagine back in the 60s and, well, even now maybe, you know, you've got a married couple in their early 20s and they have a disabled child. You, you can just imagine how that must have been for them. And they're told that this child will never walk and put them in a wheelchair. But it's my mum and and I see from my grandma as well there's 
characters weren't accepting that and that's what's been passed on that's how I was brought up so it does make a big difference how your parents are with you especially if you have health issues and disabilities I think you can either be really independent or you can have everything done for you and you won't do it you don't know how to do anything a variation in the middle <laughs> so I'm very fortunate and glad for that yeah, Chris and I have talked about that because sometimes you get people who are blind or visually impaired who have a lot done for them yeah. and they're not really fulfilling their potential. Oh. Uh, and Chris and I met, we met in 2015 and when we got together, I said to him, I won't mollycoddle you. And, you know, we're quite gung-ho about the whole thing, really. Oh, yeah. Well, that's but, good. That, that's the way to be, I think. Yeah, well, that's how he is. He is as well. You know, he's very independent, but obviously relies on me for certain things that yeah. he just can't do. Yeah, I mean, when I met my partner now, he obviously hadn't been in a relationship with anybody with any mobility difficulties before, but that was it was never an issue, and we we did all sorts of things at the beginning. And he did. He never thought for one minute, oh, I won't be able to do this. We just did it anyway. And then if I couldn't do it, he'd find out along the way. That's the way he thought about it. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is a lot, which for me is a lot better to be like that. It sounds like a good approach. Yeah, then it seemed to work. I mean, so we do do things that I need to use a wheelchair for, but they're quite adventurous things, not things that my, the wheelchairs are made to do, really. <laughs> but they're good fun and things I wouldn't be able to do without. So so what sort of things do you do? We go, we've got a canoe, we go canoeing. We go all over the place with the wheelchair on rough ground, you know, through woods and things like that which is, and I know that the wheelchair is not ideal for some of the things we do, but there you go. But they're quite expensive aren't pieces of equipment, aren't they? So you need to have them like bikes, you know, you need three different sorts or four, like you would a bike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have any room to store them. You know, we, we go out for walks a lot. We, um, we like going to the coast. We both love the sea. Go on lots of holidays. Oh, when he's not working, he's a bit addicted to being at work. I work to live. He lives to work, I think. <laughs> he's a lorry driver, so I've been out in the lorry with him. And that's quite funny. A lot of people are quite amazed that I do that. And I think it's because of my disability they're quite amazed. And I say, yeah. well, it's to do with that. It's to do with the fact I'm only five foot. What's amazing is I can get in the lorry. <laughs> So it's my height that's the disability, nothing else. That's been good fun, going out with him on some trips. Because you see a different view of everywhere you go. Yeah, yeah. that must be really good. Yeah. And you find lots of things that you wouldn't never know were there in a car because you're seen higher up. So we've got to go on lots of trips to places that you wouldn't see if you're in a car. We know somebody who's called the Tiny Turner. Um, and um, I'm not sure how tall she is, probably. I think she's slightly less than five foot, and she's an HGV driver. Oh, yeah, yeah um, very, can do it. <laughs> yeah, she's very petite, 
but uh, yeah that's what she does as well as the wood turning oh that's good yeah i struggle with the the handles uh a bit high up for me to well they're just about the right height but i have to stretch up to reach them because i have to use them because i can't like jump in and out of the truck like my partner does that sounds (laughs) really good yeah so it's quite that is quite fun something i never imagined i'd be doing but It's fun. So how has it affected you over the past, I don't know how many weeks, 10 weeks since, you know, we've all been in isolation? We have. Yeah, I've been in, um, haven't been out. Well, apart from I have gone to the shops, but I've stayed in the car whilst he's gone in the supermarket. Um, I've not gone out and we've gone out for our walks, you know, around the village and things. So we've done that. Um, but work-wise, it's been this well. It's been the same. I've had all the same clients. I'm doing all the same work, but I'm doing it on the phone and Zoom instead of meeting them in cafes. That's the only difference. And for lots of people, I think it's been good because a lot of my clients have been fine. And it's only this last week they're now saying. Oh, back at work and I'm expected to do this or be doing that or be moved to here and now their stress is back up <laughs> yeah but my work's been the same my partner's not been at work for eight weeks and he's just gone back last week the end of last week yeah I think we're really lucky with um, what technology enables us to do yeah we are and we've had beautiful weather to be stuck at home as well haven't we we have yeah so we've had lots of time to spend in the garden. The the downside is I've been having, because a lot of people, unfortunately, their work hasn't been as busy. There is more, ha- a lot of people have made more happen on social media. And I'm quite a sociable person and like being with people. So I've missed that aspect. So because my work hasn't reduced, having to find the time for work and keep connected with groups of people that's been the the hardest bit I think I know just as well that you'd been a co-author on a couple of books have you got any plans to write a book or have you got anything in the pipeline well I'm I'm wouldn't say I was a writer and people who know me that I don't know if you've seen, followed me on social media, but I do quite a lot of short videos. Yeah, I've seen Because that is far easier for me than writing blogs and things. <laughs> I would never say, and when I was invited to do the first, the contribution to the first book, I did say, well, yes, I've got a story I can share, but I've never written a book and that isn't, writing isn't my thing. Starting off, writing by being a co-author is a really good way because the editors or the people that are whose idea the book was they've done books before Mm. they they know the process and everything and it was very easy to do because they gave you a bit bit like you have when you have podcast interviews you've got questions and I filled in all the answers and then you take away the questions and you've got the chapter whether I'll ever stretch to writing a whole book by myself, I, d- I doubt it, but never say never. <laughs> How would you like to be remembered? That, well, that is a hard question. 
<laughs> just for the contribution I make to people's lives to make them feel more independent and more able to go for their dreams and aspirations, not let things hold them back. Yeah, that's what I'd like to be. That's what I hope I've done, you know, throughout my adult life, before, even before I had a business. Yeah. And as a parent. That's great. Well, Jane, thank you so much for sharing your story and talking about your business and what you do and how you've grown your business. It's been really interesting hearing everything that you've done and um, it's just really nice to connect with you as well. So thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. I, I, hope, I hope other people feel a little bit more inspired than they were before if they hear it. I'm sure they will be. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast as much as I did. You can find me online at Seed to Source. And if you'd like to share your story of personal change, do get in touch. Thanks for listening and I hope you have a wonderful week.